India agrees with that back there. Does anyone need an outline for the message tonight? Christian, I'll take one from you. And then we're going to take our Bibles to Acts chapter 14. We see the first missionary journey is finished. Paul's first one tonight. We'll look at this here tonight. Acts chapter 14, we'll dive right into things. A couple of announcements that I'll give you. Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, um, Johnny's going to be doing the Bible study this week. I won't be here because if Johnny's preaching, I'm not going to be here to listen. Of course, I'll let you all be here and listen. And no, in all reality, if I'm gone and I'm not here, I always do listen to whoever speaks here. I always listen to the whole message because uh, one of my areas I protect is this pulpit here. And so, and Johnny's, Johnny's good. You'll enjoy hearing him on Wednesday night. And so, and uh, I'm just glad the other day he got bit by a black widow spider. And now he's doing, he's doing better now. But um, yeah, when you have lesson for everyone when you have webs all over your shoes and they're in the garage you might want to check what's inside before you put the shoe on and uh just a good little lesson to learn there and so but um he'll be here wednesday night and then next sunday um, it's july 2nd and so what we're going to do is for july 2nd um we'll have a normal service everything will be normal in the morning and then at 4 p.m we're going to have our evening service early and we'll have fun with that. It'll be a patriotic-style service, and so I'll preach a message about our country and things as well as we'll sing patriotic songs. And I, and I was teasing this morning. I said, if you don't like that stuff, you just shouldn't come. And the crazy thing is there are Christians that don't like that. They, they say it shouldn't be mixed in church. And I'm glad that we, I'm glad that from the founding of our nation that stuff like that was included, and I think it's a good thing. I also think that it also shouldn't be the primary function of a church. But I do think it is a good thing. And in our world today, everything is pushing to hate our country. I think our church should teach us some patriotism and to love the country God's put us in. And also the need that we have for God in this country. And not lose sight of that. So I unapologetically will have a patriotic service next week. And I was teasing about, if you don't want to come... You should be here, be a part of it. After it's done, we'll have um, food together, bring you know, a side dish to share, and then bring your own meat. That's the way I do it. And if you're a vegetarian, bring your own mushroom, whatever the case may be, or your own veggie burger, whatever you need to do, and that's fine. And you might say, well, I don't want to cook my own food. I will cook it for you if you have it out there. Or you just go get in and out and come back here. If you go to in and out get my order, though, before you go, right? And that will be a good thing. can't go wrong with an in and out cheeseburger. You just can't. And so... Um, I got, I'm going to have to talk to Christian. I'm going to have to talk to your son one of these days. That Troy's burger does not measure up to an In-N-Out burger. So sorry, it just doesn't. But that's okay. And then next Sunday morning after the two morning services, and maybe before, somewhere in there, before and after both morning services, we have a Vacation Bible School fundraiser. Maria Fischetti's doing it. I think she's feeling bad that she's going to be gone during Vacation Bible School. So she's doing that ahead of time to help make money for Vacation Bible School. And so... But there will be some jewelry for sale as well as some yummy treats. And uh, what are the treats going to be? Do you know what they're going to be? And we're going to pray over them beforehand. They won't add that many calories to your day. And, uh, but anyways, so next Sunday those will be for available. Everything goes for Vacation Bible School. In all reality, you could get some nice jewelry to give away at Christmas at a low affordable cost and help kids with Vacation Bible School. Count 
I'll take care of all that right there. So that'll be next Sunday, and I'm thankful for Maria doing those things for us, and that'll be good. Acts chapter 14, let's get into the message tonight. Acts chapter number 14. It's been the past couple days. I, uh, yesterday in the middle of the afternoon, I don't know what it is, the past month, I started getting migraines some. And I've never had, never get migraines at all, but you, I feel them coming when they're coming. So yesterday, literally I'm driving and everything gets cloudy in my, in my eyes. We're not like, not like I'm high or anything like that, but like, and I don't know what that would even be like, so I don't even know why I say that. But some of you though, when I say cloudy in my eyes, I know what you're thinking. It's like Bridget the other day. Should I tell everyone? Oh, she doesn't want me to, oh, she doesn't want me to tell everyone. So the other day, it's Julio's birthday. And so for Julio's birthday, what I do for people's birthdays is I'll send them a little thing to go get something, uh, get a drink at Starbucks. And I know some of you don't, don't I only have, I'm limited what I can send on through my, and Starbucks is one of those. Tell some of the other better places to put their stuff too. But anyway, so I sent Julio, a, a message to Bridget, because I knew if I sent to Julio, he wouldn't know what to do with it. So I sent it to Bridget, and I said, I put enough here for you to get Julio and yourself a drink. Enjoy. And then she's like, get a drink from, and what, how do you word that? She thought I meant some sort of drink. And I'm like, no, 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 the pastor's not. And then she missed the gift card higher up. She, she literally, I think she sent me a picture of her with a beer in her hand. And I'm like, really, Bridget? You would, wow. And why she would think I would send her money to do something like that? I don't know what she was thinking. And then she came up to me today and she's like, I didn't read before that. If you... It really makes me wonder if people are getting a message from me here so you can go get a drink that the first thing she thinks of is a bad drink I want her to go get. I don't know where that comes from. But please pray for Bridget. Pray, pray for her and Julio. They need it. And, uh, and uh, I, I might give Julio money for one because he has to deal with Bridget, but other than that, you never know. And so we'll leave all that there, but that was pretty funny. And so, but the anyways... My eyes get very cloudy and everything is very bright. And then the first time I had one, I didn't realize that's what it was. And I was down for hours in bed. My eyes was terrible in pain. So this came on yesterday. So I ate something, took some medicine, and it's been, it's like lingering still. So, and then last night I fixed the plumbing at the rescue mission and I preached there, preached this morning. And then my niece has a graduation party tonight down in Lake Elsinore. And I made food for that for them. So this afternoon. So my brain is on, it's functioning. I don't know what's functioning. So just deal with it tonight, okay? But we are going to look at Acts chapter number 14. Where I was going with all that, I don't know where I was quite going with that, but we'll see where we get with the Bible study and things tonight. Acts 14, look with me in verse 21. The Bible says, and when they had preached the gospel to that city, they had taught many. They returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commanded them to the Lord, or commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And after they had passed through Alpesida, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down into Italia, and then sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them. 
and how he had opened the door of faith in the Gentiles, and there they abode long time with the disciples. Now, on Sunday nights for the past several weeks, we've been in the book of Acts for a long time, but literally I feel like between the graduation, Memorial Day at the park, and all the past several weeks, we have not been in Acts very often. And so as we get back here, and like last week for Father's Day, I preached a different message last Sunday night. As we look, we know for the fact that God sent out Paul and Barnabas on a missionary journey. He called them. And I am a firm believer that God calls people to ministry. He does. And I am thankful for God's call. And I've heard people say different ideas with things where, well, God gives you gifts and that's how you know God calls. He calls people to ministry. He called Paul and Barnabas and they were sent out by a church to go do this missionary journey. And on this missionary journey, a lot of things have happened, haven't it? In some places, the gospel's received and then they have persecution. They have these Jews that were following along and these different people causing them trouble wherever they went. We looked at a couple weeks ago how that Paul literally was basically left dead. He literally was dead. They thought he had died. And I believe that's when Paul later on in his epistles talks about how someone went up to the third heaven and he talks about these things. I think this is when that happened to Paul. And they thought he was dead. Next thing you know, they're kind of like standing there mourning over him. He gets up and just keeps on going. That's some resolve. You know, wh- what would we do? We, we, ha- we go through all that turmoil and, tro- and trouble. Would we get up and just keep going? Or would I get up and just go home? That's <laughs> what John Mark did, right? He just went home. But Paul and Barnabas finished the missionary journey that they were on. And for a little bit of time tonight, I want to look at the end of this chapter and see how important it is to finish what you start. Father, I pray you'd bless the next few minutes that we have this evening, and I pray that you would guide us and help us. We love you. We need you. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your working in our lives. And I pray that you would work on us tonight. Like only you can, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It is a good thing to finish what you start. I am seeing a trend in young people today and young adults that they start something and they don't finish what they start. If you start something, finish it. I'll even go a step further. If God calls you to do something, you better finish what God calls you to do. It's important. And as when we look at this thing of life, finishing is important. And I, you might understand something. If we're honest, none of us started this race of life very good. We all started out in the wrong position, right? We all started out without Christ. And I, that's where I like that saying, it's not how you start, but how you finish. I think in the Christian life, I think that's a great way to explain it. Because we, none of us started well. And even if, you got, even if you started going to church the third week you were born or second week like I did, I didn't get saved till I was seven. There was, you know, there were a lot of bad things Brian did. I didn't start out well. You might have been 30 when you got saved, whatever the case may be. None of us started well. But we need to finish. And what God, God is doing a work in us, right? And he's going to finish what he starts. And I love the fact that as we look here, we see this first missionary journey come to a close. 
And I love after all the things that have happened that Paul goes back to the places that he's been and they make sure that there's elders in those churches. They make sure the people are discipled and growing in the Lord. They don't just start the work and leave them to figure it all out. They go and help them continue so they can continue on in the journey. As we look at this tonight, we'll just go through and give you a few points. Number one, as we dive into our thing, I just want you to know that discipleship's important. Discipleship's important. One of the reasons I make that point about discipleship being important is because, the, and this is the thing, you have so many different flavors of Baptist out there. It's just like so many other things. Just like brands of cereal, that's almost how many different groups of Baptists there are out here. And, uh, and I believe your dad was a pastor in the JRB, right? And in my, in my church, anybody who was a part of the JRB were the most liberal guys in the whole world, which is not true. And you guys would say, your dad's probably the most conservative guy you ever met. And I know you would say that about your dad. But the thing is, there are different groups of Baptists out there. And in, in our group, and the one that I come from, there was a big soul-winning push. And soul-winning is important. And it is important. And we should be telling people about Jesus Christ on a regular basis. That's a command for all Christians. We need to be witnessing and sharing our faith. But a lot of times in my circle that I come from, I don't say that I'm still in that circle completely, but that circle I come from, discipleship meant nothing. You get them saved and get them baptized and let them figure it out. In fact, a lot of pastors that I grew up under would mock those that would do discipleship. You say, really? Yeah, I'm, not, I'm being serious about that. But discipleship's important. We see that here in this passage. And as we look here, think about what, what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verse number 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And as we look here and we think about this, it's important to realize the fact that discipleship, it is important. When someone comes to the Lord, I believe it's very important to get them grounded in the truth of God's Word. Because if you don't get them grounded in the truth of God's Word, someone else will get them grounded in something else. That's why it's so important. That's why a few years ago we started, we have a discipleship program and discipleship book. Joe Maria, you still got to get week 14 done in your book. You guys are the ones that have broken the mold. I tell you this, anybody who's completed the discipleship book with me, maybe they've moved on to another church, but once they went through the discipleship course, they stayed in church and stayed faithful to the Lord. Every time except for Joe Maria. They didn't finish it. They got one week left from a long time ago. We still, week 14, we're going to finish it. Before this summer's over, we're going to do it. We're going to make sure we do it. I'm going to nail down time. We need to get that finished. That way you can keep the record, that, you know, get, get the record back on the right way. But it's important to know what you believe. And just like you have a new, new baby, we've got Indy back here, seven-month-old. She doesn't know what she's, well, this is the thing. What do babies know? They know what not to do. It's natural. We have to teach them how to do what's right. Because it's natural. They know how to be selfish. Did you ever teach your children how to be selfish? No, but they just know. Did you teach them how to lie? No, you have to teach them how to tell the truth. Why? Because we're all sinners. 
And when you come to Christ, someone needs to help you in the truth. It's important. When we look here, we see letter A as we look at our text here tonight. Letter A, we see the fact that they were confirming the souls. Do you see that there? They confirmed or encouraged the souls of the disciples. As we look at our text here tonight, and we look down at verse, it says, when they had preached and they taught many, they returned confirming the souls of the disciples. What they were doing is they were encouraging the followers of Jesus Christ. And I've told you already, as we move to this portion of Acts, when you hear the apostles, it's referring to the twelve. When it refers to disciples, it's now referring to the followers of Jesus Christ. So as we look here, they were confirming or comforting and helping them. I want you to understand something. That's important, to encourage God's people. And we think about um, 1 John chapter number 2, verse number 14. John said, These words I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. And I want you to understand something. The strengthening that happens to God's people through the encouraging that comes from God's word, it's important. As we talk about discipleship being important, we see, first of all, that they confirmed the souls of the disciples. We also see letter B, the fact that they were exhorting the disciples. They encouraged them. And when we think about exhorting, it goes even deeper. And this, um, there's so much more I could say about this. The, and they encouraged them when they were down. Do you know as believers, do you ever have a bad day where you get down? No. Always on the upside, and you're always... Have a bad day, right? Enough Bible to encourage someone through the Word of God? With what they're struggling with? We should. If someone is struggling and they need some encouragement, maybe they're feeling lonely. Are there any verses you could give them about being lonely? Maybe they scream too much. Maybe there's verses about not talking so much that they need to learn. Who knows? Someone's depressed. Is there anywhere you could take them in the Bible and encourage them with what the Lord could help them? Is there anything you could do with those areas? We see that Paul goes and he confirms the souls of the disciples. They exhort them and encourage them to continue in the faith. And this is the thing. They weren't going to have Paul there all the time. And Paul could have already gone home. But before he goes home, he encourages them to stick with it. When a fellow believer, someone in our church, is struggling and, can't, and isn't moving forward from the Lord, and they want to quit, can you encourage them to keep going? We should. That's what we talked about last week, the importance of exhorting one another. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. We see the fact that they exhort the disciples in letter C. Letter C, we see that there was, they were challenging the disciples. They were challenging them and reminding them of the fact. Do you see how it says there that they would go through tough times? It says confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. That's real comforting, isn't it? Not through just a little tribulation, through much tribulation. And there was a challenge there, and Paul knew. And wouldn't Paul be a great one to be able to testify about this? 
What did he just, he just was basically killed for his faith. And he says, that's how it, that's how it works. And I, in our Christianity today, we don't understand what tribulations really are or persecution. We have trials in our lives, I get that. But we don't want, know what it's like to be persecuted like they were. And you look at the way our world's going, you never know those days could come again. And as we look at it, how we respond to trials matters. And we must keep going and not stop. We see, number one, the fact that discipleship is important. Number two, we see that Paul set up leadership. Churches need leadership. Leadership's important. It always, it always amazes me, and I, I think Caroline was talking to me about this a week or two ago. It's bad when my wife brings me all these Bible questions, and it's like, I've never thought about that before. And I'm like, I should be actually asking you the answer to that Bible question, and things like that. But she's like, why didn't Joshua set anybody up to lead? Like how Moses set up Joshua. Why wasn't there? Because what was the issue in the book of Judges? Every man did what was right in their own eyes. There was not that leadership there. And when Israel rebelled and did their things, and when they were punished, they would repent to God and call out for help. He would send a judge to lead them. But setting up leadership is important. And that's one, of the, that's one of the big issues I see in churches today is especially as the pastor, and someday, someday I'm going to be an old man. The day's probably going to come sooner than later. And I know, I've, I've talked to many, many a person and a few people that were in our church years ago, and Pastor Cruz wanted them to take, he was worried about the future of this church. And I loved when he was here this last time in the past couple of times, but he told me last time when he was here, I love coming back because I know God has the right person that took over for me. And I'm grateful for that. But leadership, it's important. A church needs it. And there's lots of things we talk about when it comes to leadership. As we look at this, we see, first of all, letter A, we see ordained leadership. And as we look there in verse number 23, what does it say about what they did? It says, And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. You see, you see they ordained elders. The word elder is the word for pastor or an under-shepherd. And you see there were multiple pastors that they had. And, I, and you know, I think that Today we might not word it. Some churches word them as elders. Some churches label them assistant pastors, things of that nature. And I think that it's still the same basic kind of setup there. But you'll notice that in these churches they ordain multiple elders. You see that there. And these were men that were, would provide leadership in the church when Paul and Barnabas weren't there and help the church move forward. And uh, we think about what Paul, what Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter number 5, in verses 1 through 3. The elders which are among you I exhort, am also an elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, 
but being examples to the flock. And as we look at this, and you've got to understand something, we must, and as our church continues to move forward, we must develop leaders and have leaders. You'll notice Johnny, just, he's not up here tonight, but he graduated from Bible college. He feels God's call in his life. And we, he's working part-time around the church and giving him opportunities to preach, giving him opportunities. He sits in some of the things that I do. Say, why do you do that? To help him gain some leadership from that because it's needed. The next generation has to learn somewhere, right? And it's important. We need, so we see the fact that they were setting up leadership. They ordained leadership. Then letter B, as we look at this, I think about the spiritual leadership. They prayed and they fasted before they ordained the leaders. I think that's so important. And it says, and I love how it says that, and when they had ordained them, elders in the church, and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they had believed. They prayed and fasted. And it's important. Spiritual leadership is not determined by a great resume or their worldly background. There needs to be something spiritual in them as well. And it's great. And, and you should. And you, you should be careful. You never know who you hire and who you bring in. You better do a good job. If, if the day comes, if something happens to me one day and I'm gone... Just so you know, I have, just, I'll just tell you this so you can hear this. In my desk, you'll have to dig around because there's some, a lot of things in my desk. But the middle portion of my desk, I have some notes I have in there. And those notes are there that if I pass some people to reach out to to help you find a pastor. It's the church's job to find a pastor, not someone else to do it. But I also want to, I, I put a few names there to reach out to to get some help for the church in those areas. I've there played out too. Because they can have a great resume on paper. And they can be the worst person in the world to lead a church. Or they can lie to your face and tell you there's something when they're not. And time will tell. Well, I've heard over and over again of people that take they take over a church they get voted in by the membership and before long they've changed everything in sight and it doesn't even resemble a church anymore and changed everything about that church and so we've got to be very careful about those things and when we think about as we look there about spiritual leadership we see um it's it's important and if we're going to stay true to the lord it's going to be because we're spiritual, if that makes any sense. You know, at the end of the day, would I love for, you know, would I love for there to be more people at our church? I don't know. There's enough problems with as many people as we got. I don't know if I really want more people anymore. Someone, someone last week, they were, they, they, I was visiting them, and they're like, Pastor, I have one complaint about our church. I'm like, oh, no. Here it goes, and people tell me they have complaints off and on, but the one complaint is, more people need to hear you preach. I'm like, no. I'm gr- I, the more people that hear you, the more they're going to hear all your mess-ups and everything else. I don't need more people hearing my preaching. That was a kind statement that was made. But in all reality, a lot of people will cut corners in leadership and do certain things just to build a crowd. 
And if that's why you do it, what's the point? And I've been, I've been honest with you. I've, I've changed. From the 13 years of pastoring, I'm not the same guy that stepped foot in this pulpit 13 years ago. I'm not. But I believe it's the Lord that's changed me. And I'm trying to be more like he wants me to be. 13 years ago, I was trying to be the man that everybody wanted me to be. And about seven years ago, I decided to be the man God wanted me to be. And that's not an easy thing to do. And so that's why it's important, though, that you ordain leadership and set up leadership, but you also need leadership that's spiritual. It matters. Not perfect, because there's no perfect leadership, except for the Lord. He is the perfect one. And then we see, lastly, number three, we see the accountability that they had on their missions trip. I love the fact they go back and they tell everyone what had happened. And I encourage our missionaries that we support. I want to know what's going on in your life. I want to know what prayer requests you have. I want to know what you're doing. Because I've known some missionaries, and I'm not and not, I've known missionaries that supposedly are out on the field doing great things for God, and they've been back for seven months at Disneyland half the year. And have their Disneyland passes and have no idea they're going back to the mission. And I don't have a problem with someone going to Disneyland if they want to go to Disneyland. And even a missionary family, if they've served the Lord for a long time and they want to go, I am all for them doing whatever they want to do. But if you're taking missions money and not using it for God's work and that's all you do with it, there's, that's something to watch out for. But I love the accountability. We see that as this happened here, we see, first of all, letter A, that they made themselves available to the local church. And I, um, you know, we, a few months ago, my young brother, he is a missionary through our church. We're his sending church. I explained this stuff in this passage to him. And he needs to be available to the local church. And as we look at that, we look at verse number 24 of our text. It says, And after they had passed through Alphysaida and came to Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, and went down to Italia, and then sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they had fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them, and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles, and there they abode long time with the disciples. We see the fact that they just made themselves available to the church. Not only that, but letter B, we see that they were accountable to the local church. And that's, I'm, I'm, a, bit, I'm a big local church guy. Some people are not as big local church as I am. I'm a big local church guy. I think missionaries need to have a local church that they're out of. I think it's important. I personally, for our church, would not recommend to our church a missionary who doesn't have a home church. And the problem is most home churches don't do their job of helping their missionaries either. And it's a big undertaking at that. But we see that they were sent out by this local church. They came back and they gave a report and told them, what had taken place. And then lastly we see, I love the fact that they gave God the praise. Do you notice how it ends here? It says, they rehearsed all that God had done with them. I love the way that that's worded right there. And how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. It would have been easy for them to say, this is what we did. 
and we were able to accomplish this. We are able to get the gospel here. We are able to do this. And they're like, no, let me tell you what God did through us. And let me tell you how God opened the door for us to get the gospel. Do you see how this works here? I love that fact because anything we do in ministry, all praise, all the glory, all the honor goes to Jesus Christ. That's where it belongs. He's the one who's done the work, and we get to be a part of his wonderful work. Give him the praise. Give him the glory. And what I love is they finish the job. Can't say that for John Mark, can you? Can't quite say that for him. But I love that we have a God of second chances because he did more great things for God later on. But Christian, let me just encourage you, finish what God calls you to. Stick with it. Don't give up. Don't quit. Finish what you start. Parents, make your kids finish what they start. It's a good character lesson. But I don't know if I'm ever going to use that for anything. It's a good lesson. Finish what you start. In the Christian life, we got one life to live. Let's finish for the Lord. We think about what did Paul say at the end of his life, and we have the Word of God so we could see these things. He said, I have finished my course. I kept the faith. And there's nothing more that I want, and I don't know when my race is going to end, but I want to finish. So many people don't finish well. We didn't start out well, and many don't finish well. We didn't start well, but let's finish and do what God's called us to. I love the fact they finished their missionary journey, gave God the glory, and before long, they're going to head back out on another one. And Paul's just crazy enough to keep at it. And I love, as crazy as Paul was, as Saul persecuting all the Christians, he's just as crazy as Paul getting people to Jesus Christ. We could use some of that tenacity and that passion that Paul had for souls. Father, we